Hello nerds and nerdwells, and welcome back to the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy foot nugget tree. You can come and join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. Alright, fuck it. Enough of that. Stop the press. We've got a big announcement this week. We've only gone and sorted out some bloody merchandise. That's right. You can now be the proud owner of an Adventurers Anonymous t-shirt, hoodie, hat, or bag. All in a range of safe and boring colours. There's even various designs to pick from. We've got a Stop Dead Naming Barbara one for the wolf fans out there. Not sure if we've ever actually mentioned it before, but fans of Tatty's canine companion Lady are affectionately known as the Wolf Pack. So, if you are a wolf packer, why not get out there and get yourself a limited edition Barbara t-shirt? We've also got an Aristobulus t-shirt for fans of the perverted priest. And just because Lewis himself asked us to, we've also got a very special t-shirt that says, Don't make promises, your fingers can't keep. So what are you waiting for? You can find these and many more bits of merch on sale right now. Simply go to adventures-anonymous.com and click on the link in the header that says merch. It's not only a great way to look swazzy as fuck, but also it's a huge support to us here at the podcast. Better yet, anyone who sends us a picture of themselves wearing our merch can get themselves featured on our social media feed. So, happy shopping, my friends. Right. We say it every week, and it is worth noting that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. It's mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. Listener discretion is advised. That's got to cover off everything you need to know. So without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join Chris, Maggie, Matt, myself, and Chanel for this week's episode of the Adventurers Anonymous podcast. Please enjoy. Who are we sponsored by this week? Um, air, air, just just air in general. You never you, you take it for granted, but it's always there for you when you need it. You monetizing air? I'm getting sick of big air. Yeah, I'm selling air as an NFT actually. If you want to buy it all. <laughs> <laughs> the bells come oh. due and big oxygen's right around the corner. Fuck <laughs> me, like total recall. Yes, pure air. <laughs> I think I went to a bar once in Leicester Square in London where you could buy pure oxygen yeah. along with uh, it's got absolutely off my tits on pure oxygen. It was really expensive. That's such a piece of southern nonsense. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> what if you hang on a minute? So what if you went to Barnsley, you go to a bar and get a little canister of smog or something like that? Just get some like good old fashioned smog. Now nah, we we get tinnies. Yeah. You get tinnies, you sit on a park bench next to a bypass. And get a lung full of like carbon monoxide. Ideally, a yes. skate park, but yeah, yeah. in a pinch. Oh, no, skate park sure. is much comfier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't really have so many skate parks in Buckinghamshire. I went to a pheasant farm once. That was um, quite an experience. You shred some serious half pipe action. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had an illegal peacock fighting ring <laughs> near where I grew up. Which is true I don't even know pheasant if that could be true. Pheasant baiting. That sounds like. Don't know why I thought about pheasant dating at first. That sounds like a very middle class thing to do. I did kill a pheasant once. You did? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to be admitting that on the podcast? Uh, it was in pain. So I had to, you know. I beat it to death with my shoe. It looked like <laughs> it was in my head. I smashed it with my shoe. I'd been on oxygen all morning. And I just had it up. 
You're just whizzing on oxygen and you just... He winked at me the wrong way. I decided it was incredible. <laughs> you beat a pheasant to death. No, it's not shame. Well, No, you um, did a better flight. One swift, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it took a shoelace off and just garroted. Is, is that what you call a practice run? That's how I got my nut badge. <laughs> oh, it's me, oh, right. You know, like the Boy Scouts. You flog in the pheasant badge. <laughs> Right. There you go. Right, and on that note, let's get on with the fucking podcast. Uh, right, I've done a recap. So here we go. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had managed to get themselves into a spot of bother. Having successfully ingratiated themselves into the escape party trying to elope from Nutbush Penitentiary, they had taken their places on a bright, moonlit night in the kitchen, looking around, wondering whether Webley Pebble's plan of escape was going to work. It soon became apparent that there was more to him than met the eye. He was, in fact, a practitioner of the dark arts and was poised to open a portal right there in the kitchen and allow them to travel through it. Webley set about intricately mapping out patterns on the floor with chalk whilst chanting mystic melodies to the dimensions beyond. Sadly, Aristobulus decided that that was his chance to shine and joined in the silling. Silling? Joined in the singing, albeit out of key and offbeat. Very much thrown by this sudden change to his delicate ritual, Webley lost control of the portal he was summoning. That's where things really started coming off the rails. With a hideous noise, a creature from the beyond stepped through the portal, devouring Webley with little fuss. A giant pitch-black arachnid, with the body and head of a stag, razor-sharp antlers glinting in the bright moonlight. All bets were off as combat ensued, with Hanash bravely throwing himself into harm's way to rain down blows and to attempt to snare the creature using ropes. Having taken piercing blows, Hanash could feel the arachnid poison coursing through his veins. Tutty popped up here, there and everywhere, firing barbed arrows, arrow after arrow at the creature's wobbly bits. Maud did her level best to subdue the foul fiend using her thorn whip, but was ultimately webbed to the wall with a gossamer stream of spider splooge. Belsiar dug deep and managed to find some inner grit, releasing a razor-sharp ice knife, wounding the malign monster, but not before... He probed his mind. You never know. Just on the off chance, it was actually friendly, and this was just a huge misunderstanding. Sadly not. And Aristobulus, well, he did what only he could do. He called forth his spiritual weapon, this time opting to have it manifest as a giant sock, which he promptly loaded up with tinned goods from the kitchen and proceeded to give the eight-legged freak a jolly good spanking with his improvised weapon. Sock of corn. Sock of corn, sock of corn. Having got some points on the board, Aristobulus decided now was the time to dig deep in his satchel and pulled out a flask of fairy dust, flinging it at the gaping maw of the creature, covering it in a sparkly cloud. The beleaguered adventuring party held their breath to see what effect, if any, this would have. Slowly but surely, the creature's posture changed, all the anger and vitriol draining out of it as the dusk, dusk took its toll turning the once feral fiend into a nebbish mooncalf with a big dumb grin on its face. No longer much of a threat to anyone or anything. It was at this point that things took a truly strange turn, with Maud invoking wild shape and opting to turn herself into a giant spider. Climbing walls and ceilings, she bore down on the beast and put it out of its misery once and for all. It was at this point, just as the party were victorious, surrounded by fire, rubble and twisted metal, that Squawk, the Kenku, decided to return with help from the guards and the chief warden, Gerrit Strober. Newcomers looking on in horror at the scene in front of them. Bricks and mortar laying strewn on the floor. Fragments of ruptured kitchen equipment flung to the far corners of the room. And a thick miasmal stench hanging in the air, emanating from the crushed and mangled corpse of a creature, the likes of which they could barely bring themselves to look at. Oh yes, and somehow they had to explain why Maud was a giant spider hovering menacingly in the corner. And that 
is where we will pick up this week's episode. Can I can I kick off first by um, putting my ball on my spike so I don't get told off by the warden? You put a little ball on your spike. <laughs> um, so I think at the end of at the end of the last episode, I said something. I said something like, "You're welcome." To the to the guards that had turned up. Yes. Um, so when they, I guess, are looking at us in confusion, I'm gonna say, um, "Don't worry, guys. Everything's under control now. Uh, we're a group of we're a group of monster hunters that were sent here to to deal with this uh, with this threat. Um, but the creature's dead now, so um, we'll uh, we'll just be on our way. We we just look slightly like some inmates, but we are very different people. Would you two like to make me a deception check? I'll let you both roll it together. Oh man, Dulcera is just staring in in shock at this brazen act of, of deception out of, out, straight out of his playbook. <laughs> I got 15. I got a 9. Do we take the top okay. one? Do we, do we... So Gareth Strober is the chief warden of the prison um, and he looks very shocked but he's a very fancy man. In um, He's wearing a pinstripe suit with a um, pinstripe waistcoat and very fancy, shiny shoes. Um, he looks like a man who's used to being in control, but it's been a rough old 24, 48 hours for him. Um, you remember the fact that he's had his office ransacked at some point, and also he's just come into the kitchen area to find uh, a creature from another interdimensional portal uh, strewn across the place and everything broken. He starts buying into your narrative but then looks over and sees Maud hovering in the corner, who's currently a giant arachnid scuttling around. <laughs> I look over. I look over at Maud and I. I just say, "Yeah, she's our. Um, she's our our, uh, our squad druid. She uh, she had to change into the into the shape you see before you in order to fly the creature. Um, I believe your. I believe um, one of our superiors sent something to your office." Um, there might be a missive somewhere. Um, it could have gotten lost in the in the bureaucracy. You know how things are. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone raised a PO, right? I'm pretty, yeah. yeah. Maud, what are you doing in all of this whilst they're making an impassioned case for their um, I would like to use one of my spell slots and I would like to change back into a normal thing. Okay. So as Gareth Strober or, is standing there... Or I could kill them all. Which is it going to be? Just leaving it to the group. The group could decide. <laughs> Show of hands. Show of hands for murder. As you all look over, you see the spider lift up two of its front feet and just do the international weighing scales. Kind of like weighing up whether to negotiate or whether to... Zoidberging upside down. <laughs> well, what does the group think? <laughs> let's see uh, Let's see what the warden's uh, warden's judgment of, of this is. Okay, I, I'll keep a... Um, I'll keep a, a napalm wrapped up in, in spider web to, to one side just behind me. Well, are, are you transforming or not? Well, we're going to give diplomacy a, a go first. I'll stay as I am. <laughs> Strober just stands there. He's like... Don't mind me. Uh, you have a little hustle. You decide what's going on, and I'll be here when you're ready to explain this carnage. I don't mean to be that guy, Warden, but this is your prison. Uh, if it got I'm out, Chief Warden. If it got out that this happened, I'm very. I, my apologies, Chief Warden. If it Thanks. got out that that this 
monster was able to somehow find ingress into your uh, facility, your stellar reputation might be besmirched. Especially for the second time in, what, two days that a paranormal event has occurred in this prison? Mm. He leans over to you and says, What do you know about the goings-on in my office? What do you mean, the goings-on in your office? Well, your colleague there with the funny thing sticking out of his head alluded to the second time... Why do you think we were invited here to, like... I think he's talking about the poltergeist. (laughs) Exactly. My secretary said that she saw a ghost and then a giant blue penis smashed my desk (laughs) into Kindle. Sounds like you should stop taking those drugs, Warden. Yeah, I don't mean to be rude or to uh, question the reputation of your secretary, but that sounds that sounds very strange. Um, it could be that it's a separate avenue of investigation and our order could have already um, set out orders for us to, um, to investigate this. But at the moment, we, we haven't received any communication about that. Well, that is interesting. Your point, yes, I did get my secretary drug tested, and although her urine was frothy and yeasty, it did not have any kind of drugs in it. So, <laughs> let me quickly check something. As you see him withdraw with his other kind of emissaries as they have a little chat, you look over and for the first time now you notice Squawk, the Kenku, who is the friend of Webberly Pebbles. As you see Squawk on the floor, who's just sitting next to the greasy smear along the floor that is all that is left of Webley. As you see the little Kenku pick up a ring off the floor that once belonged to Webley, and you see a tear just rolling down the bird's waxy beak as little sobs. Did, didn't he fuck off and abandon us when we needed him the most? Let he came back you. with the um, he came back with the warden. Can I just can I just give him an eye? Can I just like doesn't even like pop an eye out and just <laughs> kind of like try and gesture for him to come over. Uh, yeah, you are, you are you doing this by stealth or are you? I'll, I'll try and do it stealthily so that the guards don't. Okay, do it. make me a uh, make me mm, yeah, make me a stealth check. Nineteen. Nineteen. As you see, the warden, the chief warden. Sorry, he didn't go to warden school for ten years <laughs> to be a warden. Chief warden. As you look over at him, and he's currently in a little huddle with his guys, and they're talking, and occasionally they look over at you. As you look sideways at um, Squawk, who's on the floor, currently crying, covered in grease and blood, as you're like, oh, oh. It's what a 19 stealth gets you. Yeah, if I can, if I can get, like, gesture for him to, like, come over to us. I want yeah. to say something to him. Uh, as he looks up, and you see... There's some sadness in his eyes as he pockets um, Webley Pebble's ring and then um, he very subtly kind of like waggles his tail and just scuttles his way over to you. Can I just like quietly say to him, hey, you know, head in the fucking game, Squawk Eye. If you contribute here, maybe you can maybe you can get out of this as well. Make me a... Uh, are you threatening him? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying to say... I'm trying to say if you help us, then maybe we can all get out of this prison. Maybe that we can still salvage the plan. Can, can, I, me, can me. I hug him at the same time to take some of the edge off? <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Um, right, both of you make me a straight-up charisma check together. Oh, Chris is rolling the ever today. <laughs> good, good cop, no concept of personal space cop. 
<laughs> don't want to say bad cop, but definitely not good cop. I got a, I got a fucking seven. I also got a seven minus one, so I got a six. So basically, Squawk is fundamentally on board with what you're saying. And then um, he seems to be warming to the concept of the collaborative possibility of deception. And then suddenly you hear a little voice from him as he's like, <laughs> as he looks up and you just see in your little huddle, you've got a six foot spider that's currently paused over the top of you. <laughs> and he's not down with that. Uh, as you see, he, a little bit of white just trickles down his leg like a little little shit as he's... He is fundamentally terrified of Maud. Fucking shit. If he doesn't want to help, that's fine. He looks up into the grinning maw of the spider as it just tries to like smile at him, but he, he seems to be quite scared. Right, you, you, you're you running out of time here for, for some sort of plan. Like, fine, I'll change back. I thought the um, I thought the warden was talking to... Um... He is, but he keeps on looking over at you, like, you know... Can I... Oh, Matt, you go. You go. I've got my hat of disguise back, so <laughs> I can turn into anyone, including his wife. <laughs> and I wink. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's lucky I uh, made her up in the cast list somewhere. Hold on. Darling, you forgot your sandwich. <laughs> Let me pluck her out of. Darling, what happened to that picture of me in your office? <laughs> Okay, right. Is that what you're doing, Matt? No, I'm just proposing that to the group as an option. I mean, I can turn it to anyone. I think I think a businessman normally goes down well. We're both businessmen here. Let's do some business. Looking down at the floor, Matt. Belsia, sorry, let's not break the fourth wall. Looking down at the floor, Belsia, you see the cracked and burnt photo frame with his wife in that Webley has left on the floor. As you pick it up, you look down and you see in the corner that it says her name is um, Frigga Strober. As Frigga, uh, her name's Frigga. Frigga Strober. <laughs> this is a fantasy universe, Chanel. She can be called Frigga if she wants, all right? Her name's Frigga Strober. As uh, you look at the picture of her, and you start contemplating the turn. Uh, whereas, Maud, what are you doing? I would like to change back, please. Okay, like something out of a John Carpenter movie, like something out of The Thing. Like, Maud just starts, like... <laughs> as, like, Tarapas armor just snaps and limbs bend in on each other as there's, like, a... <laughs> kind of thing, as Maud just splats onto the floor and turns into, like, a tiefling again. As you look over and everyone in the other party is just staring... <laughs> in horror uh, at you. As Garrett Strober walks back, on the way he steps in something wet and squishy, which is left over from the fight, as he tries to get like part of a venom sack off his brogues, um, he waddles over to you and he's like, have you come to some sort of agreement yet? Yeah, we were, um, I mean, we were waiting on you. Oh, that's odd, because we were waiting on you. But, oh, um, oh, I'm very sorry. I give him like a very polite chuckle. <laughs> Shit-eating chuckle. Do you, do you, <laughs> so, so should we validate and go? Do you, you do validate Did here? you validate? Yeah. He's talking to you and he seems quite calm. Every so often he looks down at the weird birthed form of the tiefling on the floor that was once a spider. As he's like, look, what you're saying may be true. I'm not going to lie, my office is in disarray at the moment. What I do know is that some sort of malfeasance was practiced here last night. Looking over at the body of the shattered arachnid and all of the legs... And the fact that Hanash is absolutely covered in ichor and has, uh, he's holding, Hanash is still holding on to the um, fang of the spider. Uh, he's like, there may be some form of clemency here. 
I, um, I, I, I look at him and I, I just say, yes, uh, as he, as he kind of gestures down to the, uh, the body of Webley Pebbles, I say, uh, yes, Mr. Pebbles was someone known to our order for quite some time. Um, I can only apologize that it's, it's taken this long to get around to, you know, hunting down this practitioner of the, of the dark arcane arts. Uh, as you can imagine, the um, the world we live in is a is a, a busy place for monster hunters and um, those who would hunt down uh, evil practitioners. Made it only worse by his career as a prop designer, yes. constantly giving us issues. Hmm. As you look at him for a while, he you can see a man who is he's been pushed to his edge in the last 24, 48 hours. As he looks around, he listens to what you're saying and he nods slowly and you can see the cogs turning behind his eyes as he thinks he sees something in Belsiar's hand for a moment. And <laughs> I, I, I have nothing that's it's quickly hidden up his sleeve. As Belsiar does some close hand magic, years of children's party <laughs> entertainment, he just... It finally pays off. <laughs> finally pays off as he secretes... The, she, the chief warden's like, oh, what is it? Where did it go? Where did it go? <gasps> can I pull like out some ribbons instead? Yeah. <laughs> pulling, pulling out a live rabbit out of the other sleeve you just ah, and just toss it away <laughs> um, he looks at you all and he says look there may be a mutually beneficial situation for all of us here if you are willing to sign a document saying that you were never here and you will never speak of this ever again I believe maybe we can release you for your services here saving the penitentiary all I would ask is that you collect your belongings from yourselves and leave in a timely fashion. Sounds agreeable to us. I'm sure that's something that I can communicate to the um, to the higher ups. <laughs> he just turns around to us. So, guys, <laughs> so <laughs> I've done. <laughs> offer on the table. Just want to check with you guys before I accept it. Do you want us to like sign it? it? Do you want us to sign it here, or shall we go somewhere else and sign it and say? Because if we if we're saying we were never here, but we're signing it here, that might look suspicious. He looks at you like you've just found a loophole. In his logic, he's like, listen, Scaly, shut the fuck up. Take the deal or don't take the deal. Okay. I, um, I just say, if if your people can, can draw up these, these documents for us, we can be out of your hair before the morning. Okay. If you make your way back to yourselves and stay there for the next hour, I think I can have some documentation drawn up and we can um, put this nasty business behind us. Do we need some documentation for Lady and the Bees? <laughs> no, I wasn't, uh, okay, I wasn't gonna ask okay. about those because they're in a separate place. You think you get a little paw print? It's a little. Yeah. Bees don't have paws. What are you doing about? They have legs. They have feet. Feet print. I see. Um, do they have BNA? Hmm? They have a unique B. No, no, too soon. Okay. No. It's never going to be the right time for that joke. No. <laughs> it's okay. It for six weeks and it's still not the right time. I can workshop in it. I'm workshopping it. <laughs> Fuck off. Before uh, he goes, or we go, can I ask him about the dragonborn lady who I left for dead? Can I say we had another operative who we haven't heard from? What a way to sneak up girls. Helga? Hilga? Hilda? <laughs> Someone wasn't taking notes. He looks at you again, and he's, he's, he's doing that thing where he's partially looking at you and partially looking at your sleeve, because he's... <laughs> He's assessed that some sort of something happened here. Well, is he looking at his sleeve? Yeah, I mean, he may be looking at the sleeve at all. Yeah, there you go. Um, As he's like, do you mean the lady who we found in the oubliette? Yes, 
Is she alive? I mean, what would you like me to say? That is another incident with which I've had to clean up in the last 24, 48 hours. She was fighting some kind of um, uh, uh, eldritch abomination in the in the Ubiet. We need her released as well? I mean, it appears someone already released her to the afterlife. The only thing <laughs> she was fighting was the ability to hold fluids within her body cavity. She had more holes in her than a fucking golf course. Well, we'll, we'll need um, a payment for, for the loss of one of our <laughs> operatives. All right, make me a persuasion check. If that's if, if you want to push your luck with this man, quite frankly, he's got shit on his brogues already. He's having a bad morning. You fucked his office up. He's waddling around like a man who's got fucking hemorrhoids and no pile cream with which to soothe them. <laughs> and he's wondering where the picture of his wife went. Come on. 13. 13. He looks at you for a while and says, The mere fact that I am releasing you without question, without consequence, should be enough for you. If you wish to test my mettle, no, maybe we can I continue. Understand. Very good. I've always respected you, Chief Warden. Well, thank you for using my proper title. Looks over at Tatty. Some don't. Well, if you'll make your way back to your cells, I will get the paperwork drawn up. As he leaves for a bit, all of you make your way out to the kitchen area, which is a smoking war zone. Um, Aristobulus skips over a few bits and picks up the flask of fairy dust, holds it upside down and just, it's empty as he just closes the stopper and puts it back into his inventory. He's like, ah, shit, I've used it all up. Um, As you make your way back into the kitchen area, you see now that uh, some of the um, staff are starting to turn up for work as there's real confusion as some of the early morning staff are turning up. Uh, In particular, Tatty, you see the um, tubby tabaxi lady uh, who is not looking particularly happy as you make your way back across the is she, are we being are we being like escorted back to ourselves yes oh, okay i just give her a and just give her a nod she gives you a shit eating stare as she nods at you she knows this is your fault it's a yeah because i'm not wearing fucking prisoner garb anymore and i've got fucking full armor on again she's made a 30 year career out of ladling porridge into bowls and you have fucked that up in one evening's worth of misdemeanors. Um, it doesn't seem like our fault. As you make your way back through the canteen area, through the corridors, uh, Hanash, you pause momentarily through the bars as you spot a friendly face, as you see, possibly for the last time, a Grammy. Uh, okay. I I go up to him and I, I imagine he goes to speak and I go, shh, and I put my finger on his lips and I stroke his cheek. I say, good day, and I walk away. (laughs) I said, good day, sir. As you see, so much has been unsaid, and you can see it on his lips as he wants to talk. As he goes to open his cracked lips, your hand just running down the side of his face as he internalizes years' worth of pain. He's... He's waited for you for years as you slip through an interdimensional portal as you walk away, leaving so many things unsaid. You imagine he's going to get a few more tattoos of you. Before before his life is over. Uh, you make your way back to your cells, each of you filing in. Aristobulus filing into his cell um, with the masked man looking up from his um, trashy romantic novel that he's currently reading. Looks over at Aristobulus, nods and goes back to reading as each of you makes your way back to your cell. Is there anything you particularly want to do before you leave? I'll probably just... As me and Maud are led back to our cell, I'll probably just, like, sit with my hands, like, crossed over my knees and, and, and just say, be out of here soon. Just um, just stay chill until then. 
Are we going to take the spider with us? I was going to say, are you going to show the spider a bit more leg? I was, I was going to try and communicate with it before I, before I leave. I mean, the spider can leave whenever it wants. Yeah, I was going to say, like the spider can probably leave whenever he wants. The spider, you look down and you see a little, so many eyes, little gleaming beady eyes appear on your knee as some little legs scuttled up onto your knee as a little voice says, so you are leaving me so soon. Okay, I'll I'll use speak with animals and say. I mean, there's a you know you can you can hitch a ride in my in my bag if you want. We can get you out of here. You and you and your and your kids. I mean, I would imagine that you can leave here whenever you like. But the offer's there. What kind of life would I have with you? <laughs> It'd be like two ships. We, well, the the alternative is we would be like two ships passing in the night. Or you could you could come with me for a, a jet setting life. The world doesn't care for a. Tin of beans and where the spider goes, but... Ignore, ignore the Humphrey Bogart-esque <laughs> voice in the other cell. As the little spider looks up at you and says, What kind of life can you promise me? Will there be adventure? Will there be intrigue? Will there be passion? I, I mean, the first two, definitely. The third one, it sounds like you're expecting that from me. And I'm not, I'm not really there yet. And that is not the kind of relationships that I want with you. All I want, listen, I have blown my web sack many times, but not over a gnome. Never over a gnome. Fair enough. And I, um, I'm going to take off my backpack or whatever it is, whatever I carry that has all my stuff in. And I open it up and just, just say, all you have to do is take the, take the first step. So that is not funny as I have uh, many legs. (laughs) No, it's probably less effort. Oh, Jesus, I am very conflicted. Shall I stay with my family? My nice warm Oh, fuck it. As you see the spider, like, leap into your bag. Wait, so he's leaving behind his family? Yep. Cool. I've got no place to question that. Anything but passion. <laughs> this is the way of my people. They will be fine. All right. This is the start of something very beautiful. I knew from the first time I saw your ankles that this could be something exciting. I just say, just keep, like, keep it down for like an hour or so and we'll be out of here. And then you can go wherever you want. What do you mean, keep it down? What kind of high-profile spider do you think I am, you motherfucker? (laughs) Off to a great start. I'm not on Interpol. I am a fucking spider. I don't know. There could be, you know, there could be warrants out for your arrest. We don't want to go straight from prison to, you know, back into the fucking clink. I was born in this life. I did not get here by my actions. I was born in that little crack in the wall there. Fog life chose him. Yes. Anyway, why the fuck are we spending so long talking about this? Right. Anyway, onwards. As you just see him vanish inside your bag, uh, as you hear a little voice say, when was the last time you cleaned this bag out? <laughs> <laughs> I only just got it back. Jesus, Gaspar. <laughs> There's some, there is fucking half a wheel of cheese and a fucking cherry pie. <laughs> That's gone. I gave that to Jeffrey. Would it fucking kill you to hoover your bag once in a while? Most of it is potions. And with that, with that uh, we pam- does anyone else want to do anything before we leave this institution? Can I take one of the... Do we have duvets in this prison, or is it just like plain blankets? Uh, well, I think Hanash has two duvets. Yeah. Also, this isn't like going to the fucking Ritz-Charlton, right? The <laughs> you, you don't steal the fucking dressing gown from Nutbush Penitentiary with the little emblem like monographed on it. But can I steal the, uh, can I steal, are there any towels or little bottles of shampoo? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, on your way out, you steal your limited edition Nutbush Penitentiary Bar of Soap. 
Yes. Which has quite a few different pubes from different inmates just oh, kind fantastic. of encrusted into it. There's a weird discoloration on one side of it. Yeah, yeah, like a pubic tapestry. It, um, it's It's been around the block. Not bush. Penitentiary. So, brackets with pubes. Add item. <laughs> this week's episode, pubic tapestry. Uh, right, Maud, what are you doing before you go? Um, packing my shit. Maud has all kinds of makeup and soaps, her beauty regime. No, what have you got? Um, I've got my body oil for my scaly skin. I've got my um, my horn dry cream. horn oil. That, that dry I, horn oil. Yeah, my dry horn oil. And then I've got um, I've got special balm for my ingrown toenails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also use it on my ingrown claws. And yes, and then I've got um, the, the blood of a thousand roaches that I use uh, to decrease my pores. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. As um, you you get all this together and just start piling it into a bag, you look over at Tatty, who's just taken your sworn enemy into his into his sack. Um, <laughs> right. Not like that. That's filth. Never like that. Um, right. What? Any last things? Or as 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 you all prepare yourselves, um, Belsia wrapping up the pubic tapestry of a bar of soap in a um, pillowcase and putting it into his belongings. You see Gerrit Strober turn up with a scroll for each of you as he gives each of you a quill and tells you to sign away your experiences here and that you may not talk about it. To anybody, may not be held directly accountable for any actions here, and refuse to criticise or implicate Nutbush Penitentiary in any wrongdoing. Can I? Can I be the the one? Well, can I be that guy that reads the the fucking terms and conditions before signing it? Yep, absolutely. Um, can you make me a perception check? No, an invest. Make make me a straight up investigation. Actually, sorry. Okay. I mean, I can roll it again, or do you want me to just change the the bonus that gets added added to it? Just change the bonus again. Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. I mean, you're you're broadly happy with it. Some of the use of language is a little bit wide and vague, but then again, it was written in the last forty five minutes. So, all things considered, it's your passage out of here. I um, I just look over at Maud and and give her a quick nod, and then I'll <laughs> pew pew pew, and then I sign it. Uh, moving over to the cell uh, next door to yours, you see Aristobulus, who's like, uh, could you read that out to me? I don't read so well. Um, as he offers it over to the masked man, who point blank stares at him through his porcelain mask and refuses to read it out to him. As uh, the warden, the chief warden, has to read out various clauses, as Aristobulus just signs X at the bottom. Uh, and with that, you are slowly but summarily succumbing escorted out of your prison cells. As Aristobulus goes to leave his cell, he feels a firm but hard hand on his shoulder. As he turns around, he stares directly into the chest of the man who he has shared a cell with for the many past weeks. As he looks up above the pectoral muscles, which are well-defined and chiseled, he looks up into the porcelain face of the man as a hand shoots out, grips Aristobulus's family and gives him a handshake. There's a respect between these two, if nothing else. Based on nothing but 
belligerent flirting and um, foundation of all respect. And and on the other side, the absolute lack of anywhere else to spend any time. Exactly. As the man walks back over to his bunk, gets in, picks up his romantic novel and carries on reading it. Um, you are are you, on the way out, can I just glance around and see, I mean, depending on what time of day it is, I assume if it's morning, everyone's kind of getting up. I want to glance around and see if I see any sign of uh, the Damali ding-dongs. Yeah, maybe a perception check. No, maybe an investigation check. What am I talking about? Sorry. Uh, that'll be a 12. Not really, no. You see all the general peoples. Uh, as you are making your way out of the prison, you're being led down uh, a gantry. As you make your way down a flight of stairs, you hear a little voice saying, Wait, wait, wait! Hanush, as you look round, you see the diminutive form of Caleb. I say hello, diminutive Caleb. <laughs> I don't wish you wouldn't call me that. It's not very nice. <laughs> how the relationship works, buddy. All right, well... Were you going to go without saying goodbye? Yes. But would you like a quilt? Could I? Yeah, of course. Is it yours? Yes. Okay. As he takes it off you, you see his little hands trembling. In fact, he's quite a small guy. He has to reach up as you're considerably taller than him. As he takes the quill, he's like, this is so cool. I've never owned anything. It's three, about three generations and now it's yours. That's amazing. Look, I just wanted to say, I know it's been a brief friendship, but I've really, I've really come to see you as a friend. Nothing more. Yeah, I made it quite clear at the beginning. Purely a non-sexual relationship. <laughs> Until next time, Padre. You might have broken my pencil, but you also broke my heart. <laughs> this guy's given out so many mixed signals. I know. As he, as as you see him fighting back tears through his little cracked glasses, he's like. Seriously, though, if I ever get out, it would be nice. Maybe, you know, we could go out for dinner or something. As he just <laughs> as he just scuttles off and is lost between the legs of people. Wow. I feel like he's playing mind games with me. Yes. As you look over and you see a Grammy glaring at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, I mean, Grammy's going to kill that guy. Okay. <laughs> Bye forever, Caleb. Hey, at least he gave him something to defend himself with. Yeah, that is. A quill. That is. <laughs> Mightier than the sword. Amazing. <laughs> How do people say that? <laughs> uh, as you are escorted out of the prison, um, each of you is handed a brown paper bag with a cheese sandwich and an apple in it for your travels. As you make your way back through the check-in area where you originally checked in, there's some confusion at this point as to why you have all your equipment. But once you wave your scrolls, around people are quite glad to get rid of you uh, as the front doors of the penitentiary are opened as there's a as they open and the sudden inrush of coastal air the salt hitting your nose as you make your way out actually quite a nice day it's quite sunny as um you stand on the gravel in front of the penitentiary as the door shut behind you the five of you well the six of you with the kenku stand there Oh, is the Kenko out as well? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. A squaw stands beside you. I jump up in the air and I shout, Crap fuckers! And then I freeze time and then I'm just frozen in midair and then the credits roll. <laughs> and that is the end of campaign one. <laughs> as as um, Hanash and Belsiar are roughhousing each other, Hanash shoves into Belsiar. Belsiar backs up into the Kenku, who falls backwards off the cliff that now pushes up. Kenku is still alive. Can Kenku's fly? Dashed on the rocks below. No, I'm joking. He's not. Um, I just say, I just as the as the doors close, and then when it's just us, 
I look around at everyone and I'm just like, I don't know how we did that, but... For your quick thinking, Tati. I just say, good job, everyone. I'd like to say sorry to Kinku for his loss of his stepfather slash lover slash friend. Was yeah, it we, never, we never quite got to the bottom of that. I'm really glad that he's still here. Yeah. Um, yeah, make, make me a charisma check. It's all about charisma today. I know. I've not I ever rolled it before. Natural 20! Natural 20. As there's a real affinity between you two, as he genuinely is cut up about Webley, but he's also kind of touched that, um, that you've invited him on this journey. Can I ask him, were you, were you actually evil? Because I was going to hit you over the back of the head with something, but are you evil? Were you working uh, with the guards? Do any of you speak Kinku? Oh, I, 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 I go, oh. Sorry, silly me. Um, and um, give myself comprehend languages. Yeah. Oh, nice. As you. Oh, would you have comprehend languages? I do. So I can understand. He can't necessarily understand me, but I can understand him. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, as you hear him for the first time, as he's like, "Hooray!" <laughs> no, fuck you. No, hooray! No, this is fucking amazing. I see you're a Damali native. Well, you can't hear him. All you're hearing is... <laughs> as Belsia, um, you hear him say, Oh, fuck me, I've been in here for a long time. He says he's been in there a long time. <laughs> What's the first place we're going to go? I say... Um, Traditionally, to get drunk. I say, uh, can you ta- can, do you know how to get to Port Zoon? <laughs> I look at Belsiar. He says, yes. Do I know how to get a port zoon? Of course I fucking know how to get a port zoon. I was a little hatchling in port zoon. He questions your your mother's sexuality and says, of course he knows how to get to port zoon. (laughs) I say, say, well, tell him to lead on, because that's where we're going. We're going to go get Barbara, and we're going to go get the bees! Way! And I do a freeze frame. <laughs> <while I'm laughs> yeah. How many freeze frames? You really are trying to end campaign one prematurely, aren't you? <laughs> As uh, you make your way away from the penitentiary, you walk down the coastal path, and it is quite, for the however long you've been in that penitentiary, it's been quite uh, claustrophobic and quite containing, and suddenly the expanse of the coastal region really hits you. It's not just the air, but it's the beauty. It's a warm summer's day, and you, you have the wind blowing in off the sea, the saltiness of it. You look down on the waves, and you can see flotilla of fishermen who are out there on, doing their things. And you look out into the trade lanes, you can see the larger kind of shipping vessels. As you make your way down the beautiful path, you just take everything in. You take in the trees, the bushes, the flowers, the wildlife. Um, as the Kenku walks you round the top of the coastal path back inland. I'd like to request a podcast format change where we get a, a wheel with all different accents on. Yes. So character, we spin it and AJ has to do yeah. one of the four accents that's on the wheel. You're so mean to me. Hold on, whilst I just pull up a map. Uh, here we are. Here we are. There it is. Brilliant. Sorry, I just need a bit of a reorientation with the map. Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, you are not far from Nicodranas currently. Um, as you make your way up inland, you, you, you make your way round to the west and almost across the bay, 
you can see Port Zune. Uh, well, not Port Zune. You can see the landmass which Port Zune is in across the bay on your left-hand side. As you make your way up the path, uh, once the novelty of freedom wears off, you start seeing other travellers on the road, occasionally carts and horses and carriages coming and going each way. Um, what do you particularly want to do? So did you say that we're closer to Nicodranus than to Porzoon? Oh, considerably. You'd have to go all the way around the... Um, you'd have to go all the way around the headland. So it kind of like comes up like a shepherd's crook. So you'd have to go all the way up and then back round on itself. Um, imagine if you were in like Devon and Cornwall and you wanted to get to the bottom of Wales, you'd have to go like all the way, unless you wanted to sail across. Ah, Southerners problems. Um, so, whereas Nicodranus is more of like a straight shot. Tell you what, let me take a screenshot and I will drop it in the channel for you. Uh, and then you will all know what's about. Maybe, if you're lucky, I'll edit this out of the podcast. Una, that was her name. Una, poor Una. There you go. How's that for a map? There you go. Don't say I never do anything for you. Now you can see where you are. You've just left Nicodranus, you're heading north and off okay. to the west. Okay, so where, where are we on this map then? Just coming up from Nicodranus. So we can go so south, north, north of Nicodranus, you say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Do we know what, what... What's more of a party town, do we know? Nicodranus is definitely a party town. It's going to be a bit like Port de Mali, I think. I could I could party a little bit. I mean, if, if, if you guys want to take a take a rest stop in Nicodranus, I'm, I'm good with that. I just need to, at some point, arrange travel to Port Zoon. Um, Sounds like an 18 to herpes holiday. I'm in. 18 to herpes. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a long rest. Yeah, you could actually. I remember. And she looks down at the puncture wound in his chest. Only <laughs> weeping green fluid. Like, bleeding the whole time. I could oh. nap. Yeah, I could boot and rally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's make a stop off in Nicodranus. We'll see what kind of trouble we can get in. As you hear a little voice coming out of your backpack, as Gaspard says, "I could also do with a rest." Oh, I'm sorry. And I um, I take off the take off the pack and I I open it up and I just I just say sorry to. Um, Sorry to leave you in there without much fresh air. And I, like, hold out my hand so that he can, like, crawl onto it and, like, get on my shoulder or something if he wants. This is beautiful. For the first time, you're acknowledging a relationship in public. Says you. You're the one that just wanted to look at my fucking ankles in a prison cell. With somebody. I grew up in the crack in the wall. Like, close up the, close up the pack and sling it on my back. I just say, everyone... He's on your shoulder! As you crush him under the side. (laughs) (laughs) Not on that side, on the other side. I put him on this side. Just see four legs sticking out from either side of the side. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Five minutes in and he's been fucking crippled. (laughs) (laughs) I sling the the backpack over my other shoulder and I say... As you walk along, you just see a seagull swoop in and just, he's like, get me away from here, get me away from here. (laughs) Gaspard's just like, ah, suck him, suck him, blah. As he runs off, uh, you see him scuttling around. He's a free range spider. He scuttles around. Um, I just say, everyone, this is Gaspard. Gaspard, this is everyone. You've already met Maud. I look at Ty like he's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Gaspard. <laughs> Isn't he cute? Um, as you've made a new friend, right? Is it a general consensus that you would like to go to Nicodranus? Yeah. Okay. How are we doing for party funds? Because I seem to have spent all my money somewhere. Yes, so I'm wondering. You, you spent all your money on two novelty mugs yeah. made out of children's skulls. That's kind of. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have much money. I remember that much. 
I remember I, I dished out all the party funds and said that I'd look after it in the future and like make sure that yeah. everyone gets a fair share. But I also dished out what was there beforehand. Can I keep can I keep an eye out for some stagecoaches for some light highway robbery? Ooh, on the I way. Because uh, like I do like four and a half minutes out of prison. <laughs> as you all as you all turn around, you're literally like Man's, man's gonna eat. <laughs> I've got a plan. Grand Theft Croco. <laughs> I just, in, I, just like, say, I will pay for you to have a beer. When we get to Nicodranas, I guess I've got a cheese sandwich as well. So okay, and an apple. Don't sleep on that shit. Okay, um, that's amazing. Um, as right as as you've declared your intent to go to Nicodranas, have a rest, have a knees up. We're going to have a quick drinks break there, and we will pick up with you on the road to Nicodranas. All right, sure. see you in a minute. Happy ending sounds like some sort of wanky massage parlor. What's their happy ending, sire? Where, where oh. the dogs get adopted? As opposed to wanked off in That's the kennel. That's someone's dog. <laughs> Seriously, don't belittle that. There's some man in a lab coat wanking dogs off. So, right, anyway. Uh, right, good. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this out. We'll, we'll cut this out. Think that's a job. That's really, that's really that's hurtful. Somebody studied at university to breed dogs. Someone in a stud farm right now is wanking a dog off, and you're trying to say that's not a career. That's how it works with horses and cows and livestock. That's a really good question, actually. <laughs> Do you think people who work in animal fertility clinics have to work have to learn how to knock off all the different animals? Like the technique for knocking a bull off is probably different <laughs> for like knocking off a hamster. Pretty sure you've, you've previously thought about them. Dear God, how to wank off a badger? Like, I was like. You hear stories about zookeepers that have like got so good at like imitating the dance that they can get like the animal to jack off. They can't like leave the zoo or like they've just been there because otherwise oh, they going to be, like extinct if like this person wasn't there. That's like, amazing. Kah, kah. I have never heard stories about Really? Someone somewhere is like the Attenborough of wanking off an animal. <laughs> And if at any point... Yeah, yeah, there's, just like this mating dance that they, they've got good at and it works, yeah. And they kind of... Those are the real unsung heroes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not, a, it's not a sexy job. You know, you're not taking, like, great... You're not getting great, great landscape... Job. You're not getting great landscape shots of, like, the, the art. No, you're getting great money shots. Fucking fluttering about and stuff. You are you are full on grinding away. You're seeing a man in a flamingo costume. Don't, don't say grinding around. away. Yeah. This is a dance as old as time itself. Darwin knew. <laughs> grinding is as, is as old as time itself. Yeah, that's a great name for something. That's a great name for a cocktail. <laughs> that is. That's give me a, a, give me a flamingo prostitution. Has your cocktail got a frothy egg white topper? Because I'm out. I'm fucking out. <laughs> right. Getting back to the podcast, and we're gonna we're gonna draw a line under um, wanking off animals, and we're gonna get right back into the action. So, getting back into character, as the adventuring party make their way, having headed up the coastland as if heading towards Port Zoon, they realise that Nicodranas behind them is nearer. They all need a good rest, a bit of a water and a drink. As you turn around, you walk back past the penitentiary, the guards looking slightly confused as you now walk past the gates again in the opposite direction. You make your way 
to Nicodranus, taking you quite a few hours to get there. But as you see it in the distance, as you head towards it, you take in various facets of the coastal town, which is in the Menagerie Coast, which is the area you're in. It's a very verdant, bright and lush area with azure seas and palm trees and fronds everywhere. And as you see in the distance, Nicodranus, which is a bustling port town, it is the second most busy uh, port in that area. And it is comprised of all of the areas that you would imagine it would be with a bustling um, district in the middle, a residential district to one side, a port uh, which is fully working, which has various fishermen and tradesmen operating out of it. And on the cliff side above it, you see a giant lighthouse, which looks slightly flimsy as though with a strong wind, it might just blow over. As you're still, you're still a little way off, maybe a mile or so from the city gates okay um i'm gonna say um is there any um besides getting a drink and a and a quick break after after being in prison for so long anything anyone wants to do in in nicodranus i've got one or two things i could probably do with with looking up not to not not to set up a um shopping half episode but is there a bank um, well i mean you're still outside the city but from from your level of passive wisdom you can work out that any city this scale with this number of people in that has a bustling trade port will definitely have more than one bank oh, you have two bits of dynamite left i thought if that's what you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> no i'd never Howard be with so stick of uh, uh cowardly i'll just blink into their vault <laughs> This guy's got level three, level three fucking spells now. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have to. <laughs> no way. Such paltry things as that. As you walk along the roadside and you see various there. carriages and carts going in opposite directions, occasionally you see a man on a horse whizzing past. One of them is definitely a messenger. You see him; he's the equivalent of a postman carrying a satchel. You look over at Belsia and you hear him muttering under his breath about various bank jobs and robbing carts, you start worrying, Tatty, that maybe the prison life has affected Belsia, like as a residue <laughs> of prison on him. This is, I've, I've this misunderstood. Is, I can't remember what the phrase is off the top of my head, but this is that thing where, like, once you've been to prison, you become a criminal. And He's a cool, yeah, long drink of water. No, no, prison has left a scummy residue on your, <laughs> your once pure friend. Yes, our once pure crocodile friend. I've misunderstood the meaning of the things we signed to mean that I could never get arrested yes. again. <laughs> so I'm thinking, immunity to all laws, what can I do? Um, I think not to make AJ salivate in- immediately, but um, Tati is starting to think about if there's if there might be some kind of temple or a, or a, a priest he could go visit at, in Nicodranus. Um, someone with healing abilities, but also just someone that is is like a, a an actual like. You hear a little voice priest. next to you. Is that, I find that highly offensive. I am an ordained priest, <laughs> Aristobulus. Oh, he means a fuck good you, priest, Scaly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe someone I might want to take some confessional with as well. Um, it's a little awkward if it's someone within your uh, your regular. Like, social I've seen group. you naked. <laughs> I don't mind taking a confession off you. <laughs> Why have you You've seen been me naked? Years. You've seen everything. I can't. Maud would, Maud would like to find a plastic surgeon. Well, this is all great. <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe Maud should visit the temple or the priest that, that Tati tries to find. I no, think I think Tati puts his faith in, in, in 
priests and religion, whereas Maud just goes straight to the... As you're riffing, banter whipping backwards and forwards as there's a real release of tension from having spent so much time incarcerated. Now there's a real freedom. The shackles are literally and um, spiritually removed from you as you're starting to laugh and giggle together. Even the Kenku uh, is just like, it looks like he's got a spring in this step. He doesn't wholly have appeared to have sh- um, shaken off the baggage of uh, the death of his friend, lover, brother, father, whatever Webley was to him. But um, all of you make your ways. You you finally arrive within spitting distance of the walls of the city. You see that there is a great gate, which is an arched gate with a portcullis, which is currently lifted up as two guards stand on either side of it as you approach it, seeing lines of carriages and carts coming and going through the city walls, which are thick stone walls, some 20 or 30 feet high. I'd like to find someone to talk to about my chaos cart that lives inside. All of you want to go to a priest. Maybe we all need to go to the fucking temple. That might be uh, the the, the temple person. Uh, I guess, I don't know if it's magical, maybe a magic person. As you make your way into the city, you go underneath the arch. All of you look a little bit shady, but the guards let you pass. There's no particular, like, you don't need a ticket to get into Nicodranus. Um, they're happy to watch you. Foot traffic is allowed. As you make your way in, one of the guards look a little bit weirdly at you, but this is a port town. People come, people go. It's a predominantly human town. There are, you do see, the occasional halfling, the occasional gnome dwarf, uh, but it is it is predominantly a human town. It's quite salty. It's got quite bawdy atmosphere full of sailors, pirates, and the like. Um, there's a lot of open flesh and tattoos on display. As you make your way through the streets, there's a beautiful smell to them. And the smell is a mingling of all sorts of things. It's a mingling of salt from the sea, sweat from labor of the dock hands, but also mingled with various smells of cooked meats and spices that are coming from street vendors who are currently trying to hawk their wares to anybody who'll stay still long enough. I forget. You know when we were on that kind of makeshift island and those pirates came, the the big guy that we all like hid from. Mm. Do we have do we have beef with them, or was that just like a chance encounter? I don't think we actually encountered the, the you guy did. in black. But uh, does, 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 does their organization not care for us? I can't remember if it, we were just there he, and they were. His there name was Tyrus the Black. He worked for an organization which is called the Revelry. The Revelry are a form of pirate. Underclass, exactly. Like a yeah, they're like a, they're nation or something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you saw them. The, the Order of the Teslet Cloak and the Revelry are not best friends. Um, the current administration is called something called the Clovis Concord, who are the equivalent of councillors and government in this area and oversee everything. You get the feeling that the Clovis Concord allow the Revelry to exist um, because it's good to know who your enemy are and keep an eye on them as you will probably always have one. Um, in respects to what you know, um, Tyrus the Black was one of the henchmen of um, the Plank King, who is the, the, the appointed leader of the revelry. You saw Tyrus the Black when you made your way onto... You made your, I forget the name of it now. If I were to look, I could probably work it out. You made your way to an island at some point, and on that island, you saw him from distance. Uh, you were attacked by harpies, and you saw him impale a harpy on the end of a... Um, trident at one point whilst you were i think you'd you'd been sent there to, to rescue um 
was, no, he didn't see you. You hid behind the box. With him, though, didn't no, we came for the dwarf. Maybe he came for the dwarf as well, but we didn't cross paths with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know whether I need to like keep a like a lay low a little bit. Well, um, time enough has passed. Two cool, years has passed. And um, you're yeah. aware of these people. And your level, Hanash, you're quite worldly wise. You've been in enough fights. You're able to discern the difference between a sailor and a pirate. Um, you, I mean, you can't tell everyone's intentions, but sailors tend to have a certain degree of respectability about them, whereas pirates don't. So uh, I guess once we get into Nicodranus... Um, my, I'll kind of look at everyone else and say, should we find, find somewhere to grab a drink? First first priority. Yeah, I could go for a creamy cocktail. <laughs> creamy, salty cocktail. Mm. Um, I, I point to the cocktail bar at the end of the street, which is called the creamy cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to look around. I guess if we're on kind of like a some kind of main thoroughfare-ish, I'll look around. For uh, make me a... Investigation. Oh, sorry. That was <laughs> you just shout at people uh, in the street. Where is the ale? Uh, <laughs> you 17. 17. As you look around, you look left to right. Uh, on the right hand side, you see a fresh fishmonger's with a tray covered in ice with various creatures of the sea on it, which appear to have not long been out of a net, have been gutted, filleted, and put on display. There's all sorts of wonderful fish. The next one down is a fisherman's shop with all sorts of line and tackle and rods. Um, And then on the left-hand side, you see the international sign for an inn, which is a slightly weather-worn painted sign swinging in the breeze. And as you look up, you see it has a picture at the bottom of the boat, and the inn is called the Busty Barnacle, as it (laughs) purports from the sign to be a purveyor of fine ales and a inn of the highest quality. You see um, it has a one-star rating, which, from your knowledge of staying in inns, uh, means acceptable quality. has one rosette. One rosette. <laughs> one Michelin star. <laughs> um, I, um, I'm just going to, as I see it, I'm just going to, like, turn around to the party and, like, point over my shoulder. like On the right-hand side. Do you say there was a fish stand? Yeah, I'll buy a fish okay. to see you, I'm just going to, like... As you make your way up, you see the trays on the front, the man standing behind is wearing an apron. In one hand, he's got a cleaver and a block. He's just cutting the head off a fish as he slams the cleaver into the block, leaving it kind of going, he walks over, wiping the blood off his hands onto the front of his stained apron as he's like, how can I help you? One fish, head in. He looks at you, he doesn't even, (laughs) he doesn't even flinch as he just reaches underneath, just pulls out, um, a sea bass and just goes to silver. What? I want to. I want to find out more about what's going on with my chaos god. <laughs> no, I don't. I want to feed my chaos god with a whole fish. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of my chaos god. I just want to. I just want to have uh, to As you yeah. reach over. You cross his palm with silver as you take the sea bass. It's fresh out the sea. You can tell it's fresh. Uh, but yeah, not being gutted, not being filleted, just just a sea bass. So first I'm going to slap Belsia over the head with it. And then I'm going to throw oh. it there and it's like swallow that hole. I'll try, Belsia, I'll try make my best. Anyway. Dexterity- How big is it? How big is it? Chanel, how big is a sea bass? Sea bass is... Sea bass is a big fish. A bit more specific with it. Okay. <laughs> So how much damage this will do? Probably the, the length of the table is sea bass. No, 
Yeah, so... Stop me. No. Stop me. Seabus is probably a foot and a half. But this big, you can buy them in the... Two foot. No, that's a fillet of seabass. Yeah, but that's like half a seabass, isn't it? No. <laughs> it's, it's fillet, head, tail. Seabass has got up to four fillets in it. Seabass is quite big. Everybody, quickly, as the entire podcast, quickly fillets of seabass. I'm going to go a foot. Fuck me. Those, those bones are going to feel great coming out the other end. <laughs> uh, the UK minimum size is 42 centimetres. Size up to four feet. I thought it was bigger. Yeah, yeah. They are big. You can get Icelandic sea bass and they're big. How much carries the slimy sea bass like some sort of aquatic club? Just picks it up by the tail and just backhands Belsia. I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. You rolled a three uh, as you look three, up just in time so, uh, to see the scaly mass swinging through the air as it goes across your face. Um, it's not the first time. I shout ice knife at the same time. Anash, make me the damage for an unarmed strike. <laughs> well, it's not unarmed, so, is it? Um, Belsia, you take four points of bludgeoning damage. As you pick yourself up <laughs> off the floor and you go to wobble one of your croco fangs, it's feeling a little bit wobbly. <laughs> Quietly. Um, as what are the rest of you doing? As you look over, as you just you see the um, you see the fisherman just shaking his head at you. I've already walked into the pub. Um, as you walk into the bar those of you who've gone into the bar as the doors open the sound hits you this is a proper kind of like entertainers pub like instantly you see a live folk band on the stage with uh, playing a merry jig as everyone's kind of tapping their feet leaning against the bar there's a real atmosphere in this place there's a thick miasma of pipe smoke just drifts out the door as you look around, you see a hearth with a fire blazing in it, people generally just sitting around, and you see the broadest pair of arms you have ever seen leaning on the bar. As you look up the arms and the tattoos, you see the man at the bar has the head of an owl. Um, no kind of creature you've ever seen. As uh, the owl-headed barman stares at you, giving you the international sign of a landlord who knows he gets a fair few strangers through this bar. Can I, uh, I'm just gonna, uh, I'll, walk up, I'll, I'll walk up to him and just say, um, hey, um, I can't stay for too long, but I was hoping you could help me out, and I'm gonna take out uh, Ren's hip flask that I have in my backpack, um, and I'm gonna say, can you fill this up with some whiskey? I'm quite happy to pay, you know, full pub prices, whatever you know, whatever you charge me for a, a serving. I've got some other people following me in as well. I think they'll probably stick around for a little bit. I just got to jet off pretty quickly. He looks at you for a while. He knows business when he sees it as he's like, all right, I don't mind. As uh, he takes your hip flask, he, he goes along and you see there's various bottles of various shades of green and blue. As he almost discerns a bit like a sommelier, he looks down at your diminutive side. Let's remember, you've had to climb on top of a bar stool just to make it to the fucking bar. As you've like clawed your way up, stumps and all. Uh, as he walks over to you, he's like, "Could I see some ID?" 
Sure, I pull out my government-issued identification. <laughs> Poor Damani oh, driver right. license. He- yeah, I just say, don't give me that shit. I've been in the fucking wars, pal. It's just a car that says <laughs> "crunk fuckers." As you pull out your little ID card from the order of the Tesla cloak that says, "I was just about to say, don't I have that as well?" So uh, you share to him. He's like, "All right, all right, all right." Um, I'd like to show my bus pass. As he looks over at Maud, <laughs> he's like, "All right, all right." As he as he takes the flask off, you sniffs it a little bit and then with some discernment pulls off a chipped blue bottle, pulls the cork out with his mouth, sniffs it, winces a little bit, and just pours some of the uh, viscous brown fluid into it, stoppers the cork, puts the lid back on the metal container, gives it the international hand wank shake, and then um, hands it back to you. He's like, I'll be one silver. Why are you surprised? This is a bar. You trade alcohol for money. Awesome. Uh, I... um... You say one silver. Can I take out a gold instead and say, um, um, "I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a gold if um, if you can point me in the direction of the um, the nearest uh, temple or church." All right, there's quite a few. What what got- something? <laughs> Something with a healer. He slides the gold with a finger along the counter, picks it up, chews it in his beak for a little bit. Got various sleeves down the front of his apron as he pushes it into one of his sleeves. He's like, what manner of God do you worship? I'll be honest, um, I haven't had occasion to worship or pray uh, before this moment, but and I show him him my hands um, more like this. Um, and I say I could do with a I could do with a fairly well respected healer if I'm honest. And I've got some I could do with visiting the confessional booth if um, if possible. So I'm picturing like a, a George Clooney type character saying, "I'm looking for a good hand and finger man." <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from uh, uh, what's it called prison break to Ocean's Eleven. Very he looks over at you and he says, "All right, well." There's various churches around here, whether you're good, bad, ugly. I'm not really a man of the cloth myself. I'm not really interested in all that religion. But I could tell you, if you want to get some healing, you could do worse than go to St. Silas's. That's the Church of the Blind Pauper. You'll find that on Fox Street, down by the docks. You're a gentleman and a scholar. He did. Um, he's like, this is purely transactional. Right? As he looks over at the tiefling, he's like, all right, sugar tits. What'll it be? This guy's gone from respectable and helpful to very sexist. As, very you're giving, as you're giving that monologue to no one in particular, he looks back at you and just shakes his beak. I'm just saying it to like oh, whatever yeah. drunkard is like sad. You say, you say that it's to like... Clifford, the local lush, who's just collapsed on the bar holding some sort of fruity cocktail <laughs> in one hand wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Clifford, you can tell we've been brainstorming dog names. <laughs> I would, I would like, um, like a true. Right. I tell you what, I got a great cocktail for you. It's called a dark and stormy. As he reaches under the counter, gets some dark rum, gets some bitters, and gets some ginger ale, and just crushes them all. As he does for a big man, he does a very good cocktail shake. As you see him just waggling his little owly ass, as he shakes together the cocktail, <laughs> pours it out into a beautiful little cocktail glass with a crusted sugar rim on it. He's like, try that. You won't regret it. I, I take take a swig of it All and right. down it in one. That's, uh, tell you what, you with him, as he points over to like the little fingerless gnome, and he's like, I'll take that out of the gold he gave me. It's at this point that yeah, Panache walks in, like <laughs> chewing on the side of a fish, as he's like, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa! As he points to a sign above the bar which says no fish. He's like, you take that shit outside. I don't give two seaside. shits. You ain't bringing a donkey in here. You're not bringing a fucking sandcastle and you're most certainly not bringing fucking fish. I just want to cook it on the fire. It won't smell that bad. This is just like the fucking first pre-stream episode where we turned up in that fucking bar. He looks at you, he's like, I'll make you a deal. You want to rent a bed for the night, you can take the fish, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it, I don't really give a shit. But here in the bar area, I've got customers to serve as he lays a hand on Clifford, who's passed out at the bar holding onto a cocktail. He's like, and I've got to keep a certain amount of respectability. So why don't you take your fish in the intimacy of your own rented room here and you can do whatever the fuck you want? I say, no worries, I'll leave the fish, I'll just drop it on the floor and then... Walk into the bar. Right. Like, I'll have a zombie, please. Pal. I don't rightly know what one of those is, but if you want to give me some guidance, so <laughs> rum, 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 and rum. Has he got a shot of flaming tequila on the top? Yeah. Um, yeah. As you look over, he's like, he's like, Sammy. As you see, there's a fire genocide also working behind the bar, who's currently like flinging cocktails around as this fire genocide whips you up a rum, <laughs> rum, 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 and rum, and then uses his own arm to light it. As he hands you back a flaming zombie, that'll be that'll be two silver. Ooh, fucking hell! Can I pay you in fish? <laughs> I'm fairly sure we already talked about the fact that the fish ain't coming in here. <laughs> okay, okay, all your horses. What time of day is it now? A uh, very early evening. So you've been walking oh. most of the day. So you're probably looking about six thirty. At this point, I sip it and get giggly. As you all start <laughs> sipping your drinks, you all look around and you're like, "Where the?" F- fucks Aristobulus as you realise he's inserted himself into the band on the stage and he's slowly trying to join in as the lead singer is like trying to push him off the stage as he's desperately trying to like get involved I'm gonna um can I turn to one of the bartenders and just say um have you got any rooms available for tonight um as he looks over he's like all right what kind of room do you want this is uh, Sammy, the fire genocide, who's currently just, like, smouldering. Smouldering, look. Well, I mean, there's one, two, three, four. There's five. As you, well, as you count was, out in the little stumps of your of fingers. Yeah, there's six of us with the Kenku. Um, what kind of rooms you got? Well, we got single beds. We got double beds. We've got a bed that vibrates if you put coins in it. You can have clean sheets if you pay extra. I could run you a hot bath. I'll go for the Neptune's Paradise, please. <laughs> as you look over, you pick up one of the leaflets, Hanash, off the end of the bar. As you're reading about the um, bridal room, <laughs> Neptune's Paradise. Like, uh... As he's like, all right, that'll run you one gold a night. But it does come with a giant vibrating heart-shaped bed. There's a bucket of champagne and... You get a free masseuse. Have you got Have you got any rooms with like a, a, like two single beds in or something like that? I I could rent you a room with two single beds. Don't think you're going to get lucky. There's six of you. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I'm thinking like we, if we can get three of those. At that point, you hear a little voice on your shoulder. Gaspard's like, I would be quite happy staying in a matchbox if uh, that is what is available. <laughs> yes, I know. I know you're happy, Gaspard. <laughs> talking about the rest of us. We'll, we'll find you. We'll find you room wherever we stay. Don't worry about it, pal. All right. Thank you very much. Um, as yeah, he, he tells you that there, there's rooms are plenty. There's various rooms left. If you just want a single standard um, room, that's perfectly. Yeah, I think if we can, if we can get, I think the cheapest it'll probably work out is if we can get three rooms that have got two single beds in each, unless they've got ones with like three beds in. I love the fact that you're doing room logistics. 
he points out that if you want, you can stay in the communal lodging, which is a little bit like the YMCA, where you just stay in bunks with various strangers. If that's what you want, that's the cheapest option. He starts pushing Hanash to see whether he really is interested in the bridal suite, telling him that he will have to put a deposit down as there's real silk duvet, and if he uh, fucks up the silk, he will not get his deposit back. Basically, if you fuck in the silk, <laughs> you have to you have to yeah. give up that deposit. So, well, I, I was pay up front. I was, what, what, one gold, was it, do you say? Yeah, oh, one gold, God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Roll the dice. Uh, as he reaches underneath the bar, he pulls out a giant key with a big heart on the end. As he, I go, I go to get my fish real quick. <laughs> Jesus Christ! As he's like, all right, yeah. As uh, he, <laughs> you, you drag it, you drag the fish off up the stairs. Um, what are the rest of you doing? Can I ask the owl bartender first of all? Can I say, must be a real hoot working here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Make me a charisma check. What a fucking monster uh, are you? And how long have you been thinking uh, about that? A long time. Thirteen. Thirteen. As um, a feathered hand shoots out and grips you. Well, it's not really feathered, but you see, he's he's got an owl's head. He's a little bit hairy. He's got like a um, like a patina. Not a patina. He's got like a like a smooth fur to him. He's hairier than your average, anyway. Um, he's all he's all roped muscle. He's clearly a strong man who's strong through not through gym work, but through having a repeated physical job. As he grips your hand, he's like, "All right, you think that's the first time anyone's made a fucking hooter joke at me?" Uh, is it? No, I thought it was funny because you're an owl. But That's both racial not. stereotyping. I would have thought you'd have known. And you've got big knockers. Oh dear God! <laughs> um, well. He's looked backwards at that point. His head has just turned through 180 degrees. <laughs> he just looks back over his own back at you, Maud. He's like, "You can cut that shit out as well." Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry if I. Uh... Do you mind if I wet my beak? <laughs> <laughs> can Can I ask? Um, if he has any slots for bookings, because I can do table magic. I can... Oh, I see. Um, at, um, at that point, um, you basically start giving him a whole story about how you're a children's party entertainer, and he's like, I tell you what, I've got a booking. These, these guys, they end in an hour's time. If you want to do a bit of magic, if you get the crowd going... I'll give you your board and dinner for free. Just you. That's fantastic. That's exactly what I wanted. I will let you down, sir. All right. A hand sh- grabs yours. He's like, what's your name? Belsia. All right. My name's Civic Cloaca, and I am the manager and owner of this here bar. Welcome to the Busty Barnacle, Belsiar. This is the start of the best damn owl crocodile friendship that ever was. Mm. I, I think that's kind of interracial in a way that I'm not ready for yet. Can you call it Snappy Hooters? Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> Snappy Hooters. Um, wow, that'll do it. As he's like, and what's the name of your show, just so I can announce you? Um, Belsia's House of uh, Magic Things. <laughs> <laughs> but the announcer has to say it with that inflection. Belsia's House of Magic Things. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Mediocre magic. That sounds kind of shit. But okay, look, this is a test. Do you want to go out there? you want to bomb? That's absolutely fine by me. 
I tell you what, you're good, you get your board, you get your dinner for free. And if you're shit, well, that's fine by me because people will laugh at you. So not a problem. Right. It's a fine line. As At this point, we're going to quickly pan up to Hanash, who's just made it to the bridal suite with a sea bass draped over one shoulder as you put the giant heart-shaped <laughs> key into the lock, the door swings open, and you're hit with this cloy, sweet, sickly smell as clearly the floor has been swabbed with cologne. As you move your way in, you just see rose petals all over the floor, the giant heart-shaped marital bed, uh, and you see an ice bucket in one corner with a magnum of champagne in it. How do I get my masseuse? Uh, you look over, and on the table, um, there's a bell and a little parchment that says, um, ring-a-ling-a-ling-a-ding, <laughs> when <laughs> you want your massage thing. I... I scream, ring a ding I want my massage things! <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I get naked and I lay in the bed, <laughs> butt side up, and I pour myself a glass of champagne and then start going to town on this fish. Uh, so you're just lying butt naked, face down on the bed, your taut green <laughs> muscles exposed as you just really go to town on the fish. You start seeing the flakes and oil of the fish seep into the um, silk of the bedspread as you hear a noise behind you and you turn around <laughs> and you see a really lively, scantily clad tabaxi just like skulk into the room as she's like, okay. Um, she takes it all in. As the door swings shut, we're going to leave Hanash. We'll, we'll come back to him. We'll come back to him. But uh, he's currently, um, they're using the oil of the fish to, to really, to massage. We're going to fast forward slightly. As the rest of you are at the bar, Maud is knocking back her um, fourth rum. Everything's kind of good. You see the Kenku playing cards at a table by the fire as you all turn to see Belsiar and his house, Magic Things, stand on the stage. The band is long gone. The stage is yours. As there's a hushed tone, everyone turns to look at the Dragonborn standing on the front of the stage in his sorcerer's robes. Um, I do a little bit of um, mage hand, making things fly around. Uh, I make some ribbons come out of my sleeve. I turn a turn a... a, a uh, a beer glass into a into a rabbit. Uh, Tell you what, make me a performance check. Uh, natural one. Natural one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> as uh, you know, like tries to blink and just you, ended up like in a beer glass. You, <laughs> you try various things. You um, you try a card trick and you show a deck of cards to one of the nearest people. You get them to pick a card out. You put it back on the deck and as you shuffle it, the cards just slip out of your hand and all fall on the floor. And you're feeling particularly self-conscious about it. Um, you try and juggle fire and you end up, uh, one of the balls of fire ends up lighting the um, end of your sleeve. Um, and then for one final, um, trick, you decide, you look over and you think this isn't going very well, so you might as well up the stakes. So you look over and you see a beer keg, an empty beer keg at the end of the bar, at the end of the bar. So you carry the ginormous beer keg onto the stage and you invite one of the guests of the establishment to get inside the beer keg as you slowly take cutlasses and just push them through the beer keg. No. 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 
That's, that's my final act. Can I shoot an ice knife at it? <laughs> <laughs> As, um, yeah, you just drive knives after knives. You start making ice knives and you, you, you push them through the barrel with the individual inside it. I would like you to make me, well, hmm, I'd like you to make me a dexterity check. Okay. Okay, ten. Ten. As you hear a... (laughs) From inside the barrel, as you peer over the lid inside, you just see one of the um, people who a moment ago was drinking ale in the front row. You see a shard of ice has gone clean through his abdomen. I pull... I say, ah, but this is the bit where you think I've ruined the trick and people are going to die. But I I pull out my (laughs) child's skull... And I say, Barky, fill this with pure and simple water. As he's like, uh, you see, he's got a little bit of, he's got a scared look on his face, but he's like, all right, all right. He's like, I don't know how pure the water is here, but go on then. As he fills up your skull. It'll do. He fills up your skull with water. I go to the the wounded uh, uh, bar patron and I say, drink, drink from my magic cup. Do you know which one's a poison one, which one's the healing one? Or is this just a random? Think the child skull is the healing one? That's what I've got written down. Okay, good. Uh, good. Yeah, Don't okay. make me make you make a wisdom check there. Um, <laughs> as you hand him the skull, the guy's literally got an ice knife sticking out of his abdomen as he's looking in some degree of pain. A little bit like the end of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where, not Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Sean Connery, they pour the, the, the Holy Grail water on his gunshot wound and it all just kind of heals, and even his hair just kind of recesses back. Um, the the water from your um, magic cup heals him, as you see the hole in his abdomen just kind of recess, and kind of like you have to very quickly poke one of his internal organs back inside him before the hole shuts. <laughs> as you stand on stage, uh, and as a crowd are a little bit like, eh, eh, you're like, that's magic! As the crowd just kind of go wild. Fantastic. And with that, we will pause this week's episode. Brilliant. Always finish on a bang. Or, or an unintended stabbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Side note is we pan back to Hanash, who's currently uh, getting pounded by a tabaxi lady. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, wow. he's, down, he's down to the skeleton of his fish. He's picking it clean. Uh, I, I ask her to slap me with it. <laughs> What, just the bones? Yeah, man. Uh-oh. You know, like in, like, in, like, is it like in Russia where they, like, get the big stick and they hit you on the back? You know, like, that kind of massage. Oh, really? like Russia? That's, That's Scandinavia. That's Scandinavia, isn't it? Where they beat yeah. you with, like, birch twigs. Twigs. Come to our sauna, we'll, uh, we'll show you. And that, listeners, is an open <laughs> offer. That's an open offer. That's an massage you. Yep. Wow. Come to Belsiar Sauna. <laughs> Great. Yeah, for for anyone anyone pledging over a hundred pounds to our Patreon, <laughs> you, you can get a free slogan <laughs> of Kelsia. A free scabby yeah. massage. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Um, right. Well, that's all we can hope to achieve for one week. We'll see you all next week. Bang. Bye. 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 Pod, it is just me again. Thanks so much for swinging by again this week. We really appreciate you tuning in for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. Now, assuming you've made it this far, why not hit that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? Better yet, you could give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on and help spread the word of our shenanigans far and wide. 
as we mentioned at the top of the show. If you do fancy supporting the podcast, why not head over to our merch store on our website and buy your gran a very limited edition Adventurers Anonymous t-shirt. However, we do appreciate that these are hard times at the moment, and if you find yourselves without the means to procure some merch, we will be running a competition very soon, and you can get yourself the chance to win some, so stay tuned for that. We'll post more about that on our social media streams. Speaking of which, all of our latest news and updates can be found on the socials. We're on Twitter at AnO number one. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and as I've mentioned, at adventurers-anonymous.com. So, that just leaves time to say a huge goodbye from Raggy, Chris, Matt, Chanel, and myself. We'll see you back here next week. Happy adventuring, my friends. And remember, stay tipsy. Stay tipsy.